Martha's home in Westport, Connecticut. The shop was filled with the magic and musty aroma of an old attic. Martha adored it. She would pop in at least once a week and marvel at Beverly's treasures, especially her extensive Fire King Jadeite collection and porcelain salt and pepper shakers. I wonder whose table these came from, Martha mused one day, picking up a pair and admiring their delicate silhouettes. I'd love to have seen this person's kitchen. As Martha browsed with her daughter Alexis, or Lexi, as she is called, she noticed the pungent scent of onions and garlic. She scanned the room and didn't see any food anywhere, but she did see a side door open a few inches. It led to another room attached to the shop. As Martha followed her nose closer to the door, the scent grew stronger. Without hesitating, she pushed open the door, and there, in a small kitchen, stood a short man who looked to be in his eighties, stirring a simmering pot of something that smelled intoxicating. "'Oh, that's Mr. Borchetta, my landlord,' Beverly rushed over and explained. Martha, with Lexi trailing behind her, had already charged into the man's apartment to where he stood, startled, wooden spoon in hand." Mr. Borchetta, who was born in Italy, owned the building that housed Beverly's shop, which used to be a grocery store until Beverly started renting it. He lived in the semi-attached apartment next door and loved to cook. He was always emerging from the connecting door with a wooden spoon in hand, asking Beverly to sample his sauce of the day and give her opinion. "'What is that?' Martha asked, pointing to his pot. "'It smells delicious!' He told her it was pasta e fagiol soup. Martha reached over and plucked the wooden spoon out of Mr. Borchetta's hand, dipped it into the simmering pot, and tasted. Mmm, what's giving it that zest? Is that a ham bone I see? Did you soak the beans overnight first? She dipped the spoon in again. Lexi, Lexi, come here. You have to try this. Mr. Borchetta had never met Martha Stewart before and had no idea who this stranger eating his soup was. But one passionate cook always recognizes another, and their kinship was immediate. The two of them stood in the tiny kitchen for what seemed like an hour as Martha interrogated Mr. Borchetta about his family recipes. What did he make for Easter, for Christmas, for Thanksgiving? They ran through the list of all the holidays and seasons, with the old man explaining how he basted and sifted and whisked. When Martha and Lexi finally left, Martha was armed with dozens of new recipes scrawled on the backs of old envelopes. To me, this simple scene sums up my friend Martha Stewart. First, she's someone who gets all charged up when she discovers something unique and wonderful, especially when she finds it in the most unlikely of places. One of her special abilities is to spot and appreciate talent and beauty and zest in everyday people and things. This is a woman who will travel to the ends of the earth just to get the best hot dog or egg and bacon sandwich she's ever tasted. Second, when Martha makes a great find, she wants to share it with the world. You can bet that pasta e fagiol recipe, probably one Mr. Borchetta's grandmother used to make, found its way into one of Martha's cookbooks. She wanted any homemaker in North America to be able to have some of Mr. Borchetta's home cooking bubbling over on her stove, too. 
The Martha Stewart I know is not the one pundits ranted about on television as I watched one sweltering June day in 2003 in my sister's living room in Texas. Thanks to her digital satellite dish, I was able to hear the indictments in the case of the United States of America versus Martha Stewart on 500 channels. I've known Martha and her family for nearly three decades. At that moment in 2003, not only was I shocked and dumbfounded, I was fed up. I was exasperated at the stories I had been reading about Martha in the months and years leading up to this moment. The headlines had screamed about how she yelled at her underlings or how she wanted everything done her way. They claimed she had mood swings. She never slept. She made her family work for her. She was mean to her husband and drove him away. She is an impatient perfectionist who talks down to her audience. She screams at her maids and gardeners and neighbors and waiters and the town authorities and even some little kids along the way. Just who does she think she is, was the refrain. Somewhere along the way, the media's portrayal and much of the public's picture of Martha Stewart became a combination of Betty Crocker and Cruella de Vil. I think that when she was just a former model-turned-broker-turned-housewife-turned-caterer, her success was socially acceptable. As long as she stayed close to homes and gardens, the press and public were willing to embrace her. But as her stock rose and she showed herself as a cutting-edge female business and media mogul who struck ingenious multi-million-dollar deals with the top brass at Kmart and Time Warner, it was time to cut her down. Rich, famous... Talented, female, and good-looking? No way. Martha was accused by one writer of taking everyone by the heels and shaking all the money out of them. Actually, Martha was simply a better business person than any man she encountered. Rather than being vilified, she should have been commended. But she was a woman. I read horrible headlines about her time and time again. The public lapped up every wild story and rumor, whether they were true or not. In Weston, Connecticut, the town I have lived in for over 20 years, and its sister town, Westport, where I lived around the corner from Martha Stewart for five years, the name Martha rolls off everyone's tongues with the familiarity of last night's dessert. Everyone claims to know Martha like they know their own backyards. But do they really? One day recently I was waiting in a doctor's office in Westport and struck up a conversation with another patient in the waiting room. "'You look tired,' she said after I had yawned for the tenth time. "'Oh, I've been burning the midnight oil. I'm a writer. I'm writing a book on Martha.' Of course she knew who I meant. In our town, Martha is like Cher. No need for last names. The woman glared. "'I hate her.' Are you going to talk to all the people she stole from? Did she steal from you? Do you know her? She shook her head. No, but I've read. That attitude is exactly why I wrote this book. That day in Texas, after I watched the phalanx of press people follow Martha into Manhattan's federal court building to surrender to the authorities, I turned off the television, went out to the front porch, and took a long look at the sky. I decided that my friend had been wronged and misunderstood, and I wanted to help make things right. 
Yes, she has a temper, is highly ambitious, and has the highest standards for herself and those around her. Are those crimes? She also has other sides. She is compassionate, thoughtful, and inspirational. You rarely hear about those aspects of her personality. I'm here to tell you about them. This book has been a two-year labor of love that took me inside Martha's world. Martha trusted me enough to allow me to speak to her close friends and family members, and she did not interfere along the way. I went to Turkey Hill, Martha's home made famous on her television show, Martha Stewart Living, to chat with her mother, Martha Kostyra. I met the cookie lady of Westport, whose lemon squares under Martha's tutelage became legendary. I sought out Alexis. We took long walks in New York City, through Tribeca and Soho, as we talked about her mother. I traveled to Alderson Prison on a snowy day and talked to Martha herself in the dingy visitor's room. I talked to the people who really know her, the cooks, the stylists, the assistants, the friends, and countless others who were influenced by Martha and were at her side as she built her empire. I am not a journalist. I went to these people with no clear agenda other than to hear what they had to say about her. I sat in their kitchens, drank their coffee, turned on my iPod recorder and asked them, Who is the real Martha Stewart? My interviews were not about asking leading questions, but rather about listening to the people who had something to say about what makes Martha tick. While my own recollections of Martha may tend toward the warm and fuzzy after being sifted through a filter of friendship, I admit it, I love Martha, warts and all. The others in this book tell the unvarnished truth. Through their eyes, you will see a woman with an inexhaustible inner fire and drive that have made her one of the most successful businesswomen the world has ever seen. You will see a benefactor and a teacher. Many people in this book view their time with Martha as a turning point.